Welcome to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sanjo Gall. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Now, here's Sanjo Gall. Hello and uh, welcome to CTN. To learn more about the show, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. And today's topic is reinventing Carrier a hundred-year-old startup journey. So Carrier, it's actually a legacy waterfall manufacturing company, which has started its journey to reinvent itself. And they want to use digital for that. So whether they're trying to educate the leadership and the board about the value of digital, they're trying to partner with the business unit leaders want to leverage and harness and exploit the power of analytics or automation and any other emerging technologies, it is still a huge task to put it all, pull it all together. And there are a ton of challenges like in any other transformation effort we have all undergone. So how has this journey been thus far? What kind of shifts in the mindset, the culture, talent, process, and tools has actually allowed Carrier to continue to transform into a modern customer-centric lifecycle solution provider. So to discuss this, I have with me Bobby George, who is the Senior Vice President and Chief Digital Officer with Carrier. Hey, Bobby, how are you? I'm good, thank you, Sanjo. How are you doing? Great, great. And glad to have you on the show here. And we have John Souther, who is the Executive Director, Digital Growth and Strategy with Carrier. Hey, John, how's life? It's great, and thanks for having me. Absolutely a pleasure. And we have Ellen Traeger, who's the Executive Director of Digital Commercial HVAC at Carrier. Hey, Ellen, how are things treating you? Fabulous. Thanks so much. Absolutely. So got a, such an amazing panel here, and this is your journey. So to just set the stage, right? So, Bobby, uh, let's start with you. So how did you go about making the business case for reinventing carrier? And, you know, while we all pitch, not every time it is received the best what you expected. How was it in your case? How well was it received? Yeah, so uh, this all started when we decided to spin off as an independent company way back in now, I feel, ages ago, uh, March of 2020, uh, just before we all shut down from COVID. Right, we were we were spinning off from United Technologies Corporation as an independent company, and as Carrier spins and any new company spins, uh, you've got to have a story, and you've got to have a growth story for the investors who are investing in the company, for the employees, in terms of creating that motivation and excitement of being part of this new thing that we are embarking on our uh, embarking on, and for our customers as to what what should they expect from the new carrier. So that was kind of the task in front of us. And um, you know, we typically went through this process internally ourselves. And one of the biggest things for our leadership team at that time, starting with our CEO, Dave Kitlin, was how do we transform our company to be more customer-centric? How do we engage differently with our customers? How do we build products and solutions that are critical? for sort of the secular trends that we see in our uh, in our environment today, whether it is sustainability, whether it is healthy air. Uh, and we, we as carrier have an opportunity to influence all that. And when we peel the layers and we said, okay, now what is gonna power this transformation and this new carrier? 
it was amongst everything else, it was the ability to transform ourselves digitally. So that, that meant how do we change our systems? How do we change our, the way we engage with our customers? How do we digitize our processes, all the IT stuff? And then how do we create agility in our business processes as we think about it? So that's sort of what became our fundamental rallying cry. And for us, it then became, all right, how do we now create the impetus in the organization for coming on this journey with us? And it had to start at the top. It had to start with our CEO setting the agenda, our leadership team getting on board with that agenda, and then subsequently engaging with our board in talking about how this is going to transform the next five years journey for carrier. So it started at the top. Um, it was honestly, for me, a very easy job because I had an ally and a partner in my CEO and chairman of our board who was leading the way uh, to make this happen. So you just went in, pitched, got the approval and it came out. It was that smooth or was there anything besides that initial activity that was required? I think that is step number one, right? So getting alignment, getting this uh, digital transformation and our internal transformation as a priority was step number one. And that's when the hard work begins. Now we've got to figure out how are you going to allocate resources? How are you going to allocate capital amongst all of the other priorities in the organization? Um, then we look inside our organizations and we find that um, you know we we have a talent deficit. Right. So we have an organization that was geared to do a certain set of things. And now we want the same organization to step up and do a whole bunch of other things, whether it is embracing new technologies, whether it is engaging with our businesses, et cetera. And then we needed to culturally transform ourselves to bring agility and speed because it is not a static environment. It is a dynamic environment that changes constantly. So how do we bring about that cultural transformation both within digital and through the rest of the carrier organization to be able to realize some of the promises that we had as we made. So John, it's a great segue for a question for you. So it's a hundred year old company, right? Talk about the deep rooted legacy culture and processes. And the fact that carrier is a super successful organization, the executive leadership and the board would say, why would I want to change anything when I'm already enjoying so much success? So what no. did you see uh, as the kind of changes were necessary to start turning this, I don't know how many tons worth of weight of the ship, right? With such a big ship, what did, what, what was needed? Uh, and I think that's a great question because as Bobby mentioned, we were a new company in 2020, right at the beginning of COVID. And this is an area that's really critical to understand. We were separate. We were multiple BUs. We have four primary CIOs today that represent each of our four business units. Those four CIOs had never been in the room together prior to the transformation. We had multiple people in IT reporting into supply chain leads, finance leads. We had multiple people that were just single person IT shops within a larger company. And I think we knew we were a successful company. We're an amazing manufacturer. We build great products. But the one thing we hadn't done yet is come together as one team in IT and digital. And that's the first thing we did. 
we got everybody in a room together. That's how this all started. It was getting everybody in a room together with one sheet of paper. As Bobby said earlier, he had an ally in the CEO, an ally in the board, and he laid down his principles of what he wanted to deliver. It was one digital team. We were going to reshape the talent. We were going to move away from just managing third parties to actually building solutions ourselves. We are going to introduce new capabilities in cyber, new capabilities in analytics and automation, new capabilities in how we go to market. And that's something we couldn't do with the old model. We weren't at global scale. We were at the scale of multiple companies. And so I think that was really the first objective. And then after we brought everybody together and just started the conversation, it was really about becoming one team. And that doesn't happen overnight. You can't just shuffle a bunch of people on an org chart and say, okay, you used to have 20 people in IT at a corporate level. Now you have 700. You're a team now. It's not that simple. And I think that's really an area where we really focused on culture first. I was always a big believer in culture, but I would say the transformation we did here really opened my eyes into how important it was. Because it's not just all saying one thing and having the the same printouts on the wall of what culture is, it's believing it in it and living it day to day. Uh, And this goes into a few areas. We take feedback very seriously. We have pulse pulse surveys that tell us how we're doing, what our employees like and what they don't like about what we're doing. And every time that comes out, we parse through it as a team. We read every comment. We make sure that if we see things where the digital operating model isn't working, or we're not delivering value to our customers, that we address those and we change those with specific programs and initiatives. Also, culture is about believing in a common set of principles and tools. We've invested heavily into our teams. We're almost going to be 100,000 hours this year in training that we're giving to our digital teams and the partners of our digital business. That training is not just about learning new skills, but it's inspiring people to think differently and inspiring people to work together. And that's an area where just as we continue to press and continue to advance, we've put such an emphasis on this one team mentality to really bring it to life. And it's it's not easy and, and the journey is not complete. And I think that's one of the biggest benefits and the biggest things about this leadership team that's allowed us to be the startup that we are, is that we realize the journey is never complete. We have to continue focusing. We have to continue improving every day. And that's something that we take very seriously in what we do. And that's really what drives that culture, that team, and this operating model to bring what were legacy processes, legacy ideas, and a company that has been performing incredibly well, and to make sure that we do so and still enable the business, but enable us to bring step change value to our business partners. So, John, when this actually happened, as you rightly said, that it's never a smooth sailing boat, right? When you're trying to do transformation, people come from totally different walks of life and or different divisions trying to come together. So there must be friction. There must be passive resistance. There could be active resistance. So in your view, if you build that vision, do they just start following as if you were a pipe piper? or you had to do some shepherding, some cajoling, or some uh, use some interesting strategies to get to where you want. I don't want you to open up any dirty laundries or talk about <laughs> horror stories, but, but what, would be the, what would be some of the learnings you could impart? Because you, you reached uh, not an ideal state, you're, since you said it's still a journey, but I'm sure there is a ton of learning 
with with any examples you could give without revealing too much, what what kind of learning can the listeners take away? I, I think the concept of resistance it really doesn't exist. Resistance is just two points of view trying to come to a common solution, and I think realizing that there were legacy ways of doing this, there are now new ways of doing it. That's not resistance. There's not one better than the other. We all want what's best for carrier. And I think the key is to keep the conversation going and to realize that it is a conversation. It is an evolution. And that if you just have this single vision of what we laid out initially is the only way it'll work, you actually wouldn't get to where we went to. It's really about being open, being able to pivot, and then aligning on what I would say are our core KPIs and aligning on critical key measures that we can all rally around and creating a common vision about how we achieve those. Because regardless in any transformation, you actually have way more in common than you ever have differences. And I think it's just not allowing those differences to sit there too long and, and, and appreciate them, recognize them, and figure out when they're blocking achievement of key objectives, but otherwise just focus on what we all what we all agreed to. And that's building a better carrier and supporting our business partners better and building new capabilities so that we can enable the growth of carrier. I'd say, you know, you know I'm sorry, Ellen. Uh, I was just going to say we had we have I'm fortunate to have uh, such an amazing uh, leadership team within digital. We have a policy in our group that says, you know, strong opinions weekly held, right? So we, we walk away after debating all points of view with a common point of view as a team to execute. And I think that has been fundamental in how we've been able to shape the transformation effectively. Go ahead, Ellen, sorry. No, that's all right. One of the things I was going to add as far as lessons learned go, I think, you know, there was so much going on and the team were moving so quickly to reorganize digital as a function, set out the vision for what our center of excellence teams were going to do versus what the business units and the shared services team would do, get a different way of operating, different expectation for the business users. They they weren't used to people telling them to open a ticket for themselves. You know, They relied sometimes on our people to do things like that for them. So we have a lot of culture change to do with them as well. And what I was thinking about from a lessons learned perspective is how we've kind of peeled the onion back. You know, we, we laid out a lot of things at top level. And then as we got employee feedback that said, we don't really understand this piece or that piece. Um, you know, we knew we had to peel back and get more detailed in certain areas so the teams could work effectively together and in a relatively um, uh, um, consistent way across the different business areas. So building on that, so Ellen, while of course you you the very important is get the business buy-in and then you set up the culture of the process, at least start that process. But then there are some business processes, there are technological changes that you have to bring about, a fundamental architecture that needs to align with everything. All of that must have started, and devil is usually in the execution of that, right? So yeah, I mean so what what do you? Uh, think were the right things done at the very uh, onset of this journey, besides once you've kind of had the culture and the, the overarching processes uh, re-looked at, rethought, and reimagined, but also the technology stack and everything else in between, which but have positioned you well. I think the focus on a few critical new capabilities 
for the digital function was really important. Um, IoT type capabilities for digital product is one. Analytics and automation, which was mentioned earlier, is another. And, um, and cyber. I would say those are three. There are more, but for, for my area, those are three of the really critical ones that we invested in building capabilities in-house uh, for the for the business. And then, you know, for, for my uh, role as a CIO for one of the business units, I was able to take advantage of those capabilities, of course, to deliver value. So, for example, one of the key um, strategies for the company is growing our services business at two to three X what our historical growth rate has been for services. And when I came into the role and I looked at what we were doing in services, it was clear to me that we could take advantage of all of these different capabilities that we were building as a digital function. So for example, recently we used some automation technology to help us renew our service agreements more quickly. We saw a four-point increase in renewal rate year over year. We saw price increases, reduction in admin time, all the things that you would expect if you do, you know, very targeted, specific automation programs in the right places in your company. And because our COE had built themselves a capability and done various projects by that stage, my team could go in quickly, partner well, and and get value um, with you know kind of a one month payback, right? Which was just fabulous. A great way that we can support the business growth around our services capabilities. So, are you looking at these as micro investments, more playing like a VC versus a bean counter? I'm sure you're not looking at the bean counter where you will always look at how less can I spend for me yeah. to get the most rewards versus you know what, digital itself is new. You still have to explore, you know, how far you can stretch it. So you would take some calculated bets. Is that yeah. how you invested? And if you did that way or in any other way, could you define what you did in terms of investments and how did that so-called portfolio of investments that you did pay off? So in, um, in my part of the business, we've got uh, both the biggest maybe and some of the smallest programs that the company's doing. And it has to be fit for purpose, right? So for example, in our European business, we had a real need to rethink the way that we transact business. We had a very country-centric model. We wanted to move to a regionally oriented model for transactional processing and also give some core capabilities to our service team. And that is one of the largest programs that our board has approved to, to move on. It's about, I would say, halfway through or so. And we see significant um, opportunity to keep transforming the business as a result of that. But it's foundational, right? You can't do those large ERP, you know, ripping out the guts of a hundred year old company it, with, you know, two pennies that you rub together. So we have programs like that. We have programs like the automation one. And I think it's a matter of really looking at what the business value is that we have an opportunity to deliver and matching the investment and the technology with that value opportunity. And, and if I may add, Ellen, a couple of other things which are the, that we have inside the organization is, for example, um, IoT, right? We have millions of products and service. And in order to enable services, we need to connect this equipment up. We need to be able to access the data. We need to be able to provide remote over-the-air updates on these equipments. We need to be able to bend the cost of being able to service these equipments. And how can you do that? You can do that through IoT-enabled capabilities. Now, 
each one of our businesses have products across the board. And we could engage in a edge-based analytic IoT program in each one of our businesses. Instead, we said every one of these patterns are so consistent, whether it's edge analytics, whether it is telematics, whether it's edge units, whatever they are, it is a requirement across our businesses. Now, connectivity and access to the data, right? That's a requirement across all of our businesses. And then once we have the data, to be able to do AI and ML and advanced analytics, to be able to drive predictive prognostics outcomes on the data itself. That's another pattern that is consistent across the businesses. So rather than trying to do it in a siloed way, we said, we've got to now create these past layer services in the form of a platform for innovation inside the company. And we call it Carrier.io. Right. So we built that. We've invested in, in that capability as an organization. And now all the businesses can then accelerate the rate of innovation now that we have these core platform capabilities. The other example that I would say is um, very relevant to us is usually businesses have a burning platform situation. Right. So we had one which we took full advantage of when we were spinning out of UTC. Uh, we had 12 months where we had you know significant amount of services for us was performed by UTC. Right? These, these were called transitional services agreements. And we had about 12 months to get off of these transitional services agreements. So the, the options in front of us were using the investments that we are going to make to get off of these transitional services agreements to really leapfrog from a technology perspective. Right? That's one option. Or we could copy-paste whatever we had prior. And we chose to use this opportunity to leapfrog. And that requires courage. That requires conviction. That requires the ability to stand by and you know face. Because it's not going to be easy. There, are going to be, there is so much change that we implemented within that 12-month period that it was going to be chaotic. Right? And we needed to have the courage as a team to be able to rely on each other to ensure that we had our backs as we executed through those transitions. So that was another example where I would say you know, we had a burning platform in our business, 12 months, and we needed to exit, exit these transitional services agreements. And we took the opportunity to leapfrog fully and completely. And what I would mean is from that transformation, I'd say, you know, we we moved about a three-fourth of our workloads into the cloud, and we exited about 14 data centers that we had across the board. And that's kind of one example. We adopted most modern SaaS-based tools, whether it is enterprise solutions, whether it is implementation of Workday for all of our employees, whether it's the payroll systems, whether it's the finance systems. We adopted modern, agile, nimble SaaS-based tools in an organization so that we're not you know, uh, held back by what I would call traditional IT capabilities. So take the, take, my, my recommendation is take the uh, opportunities you're given, right? And each time as you are thinking about what, what your North Star is and how further each one of these opportunities get you to your North Star, Take them, don't be shy, have the courage and the conviction to lead uh, through that change. And the organization finally follows, right? So, um, you know, I'll tell you, it was not pretty. 
we did our service desk transformation in 90 days. And we transitioned from an existing incumbent provider who was in the business for 22 years to a new provider. We had 60 days to do the transition. And it was chaotic. I mean, our all of our SLAs, all of our metrics, everything was very, very poor once we went live with the new service desk. But this team really stood up and said, we're going to fix it. We looked at the right metrics. We looked at the right measures. And we did all of the things that we needed to do to ensure that we got and hit our SLAs and our service level goals and our customer satisfaction goals. So I'd say take a shot. Uh, make sure you put the right bets in the right place and then follow that through with clear KPIs and metrics to measure your progress. And one thing that, that in what Bobby highlighted is we used to spend 90 to 95% of our entire budget on run. We were talking about the new capabilities that we've built. Those came out with a significantly better cost profile, which allowed us to then have analytics and automation, advanced cyber and new capabilities. And so I think that's really key is as you have these burning platforms and you take these shots on new opportunities, make sure that they are coming out at the future state cost profile that you want to. So you have that money to invest in these new game-changing capabilities like Carrier IO that set us up for the future as a digital company. So, you know, this is quite a journey as you all have narrated. So there are some learnings and I think Bobby, you started talking about the learnings in specific um, instances. If, if you were to take a stab at this question of, if you had to do this all over again, what would you do differently? What would be a response to that, Bobby? Maybe not bite off as much as we did um, in year one. I think um, definitely this this has put a tremendous amount of strain on the internal digital teams, right? So you need to be able to, we were going through multiple levers of transformation at the same time. So for example, as John said earlier, we were combining the organization into new organizational constructs of COEs and shared services organizations and BU-focused uh, uh, digital functions that Ellen and others represent. We were doing that. That's significant organizational change. We were upskilling the organization at the same time. So the training that John talked about, we were going through our internal cultural transformation, which is centered around agile, right? So autonomous teams driving that. And we were executing like a tremendous amount of programs which were all kind of time-bound and high-risk. So I would say the organization went through a period of tremendous, tremendous strain, especially now you couple that with COVID, the inability to bring together people in a common room to have you know, a walk-the-wall kind of conversation and really having to do it all over Zoom meetings, et cetera. Those were sort of troubling and challenging for us. Um, and maybe I would have paced our our transformation journey initially a little bit differently just to make sure that you know people are not burnt out in the process we have taken our pedal off the accelerator a little bit since then a little bit i would say uh since then but we continue to push forward into new areas uh, that we talked about whether it is new digital products and platforms that we've launched um, and a lot more customer engaged direct to customer consumer type e-commerce and digital capabilities as well. So that that would be my one big thing is space the transformation journey. 
So Ellen, when you went into the execution, and I'm sure you would have many learnings as well, what would you say you would recommend for the listeners, like almost like an advice or a warning, a caution you'd like them to heed? And also, if you were to continue your execution path with new ideas and new things that you are putting in place, how would you change your style? How would you change your approach to executing things? So as far as, I guess, a caution, uh, I'm not sure if I have that as much as um, some continued steps, right? I mean, we talked about, you know, working hard to go fast, putting the right metrics in. I just wanted to make sure to add to it. One of the things that I've tried to do um, over the years is focus on continuous improvement as it relates to operational excellence. So one of the great things that um, our infrastructure team has done is put a team in place that really cares about what is the root cause analysis? How do we get better? How do we hone our metrics to make sure that whatever we see, if it's green, it means that the users actually feel green. So I guess I would make that as an ad uh, and make sure that folks recognize that the high level stuff, it'll get done, it'll get done fast, but the journey you know, has to keep going. Um, as far as how we move forward from here, there's so much opportunity, there's so much um, demand for our team and the great things that, you know, we've been able to develop and deliver so far. We have to find ways to prioritize doing the right things at the right time and with the business units and business teams that are ready. And that means they're ready to really, you know, hunker down and be an integrated part of the agile scrum teams that we have. They're ready to roll up their sleeves and solve problems and address their data challenges and to commit to change management, right? We all know that adoption and change management are the key to value, right? We can deliver the most amazing piece of technology, but without those other two elements, we're not delivering the value we need. So it's making sure that we have that complete understanding of the path to value and uh, tracking people and resources throughout it. Yeah, I mean, so, that's a great point, Ellen. I think, you know, meeting the teams where they are is, I would say, a very, very significant part of this thing as well, because not everybody is as ready to get on this transformation journey as everybody else. So, Ellen, one quick question. So you mentioned about continuous improvement. So many times people look at that and say, yeah, that is going to be business as usual with some tinkering. But if you're transforming, there has to be some creative destruction come along the way as well, right? You you let go of something for making room for the new. Did you guys have to do anything in that regard? Yeah, I mean, we let go of a lot of the old, um, a lot of the old ways of working. I mean, even, you know, as simple quote unquote, as waterfall to agile. I mean, that's letting go. And yeah. there's a huge amount of um, education for ourselves, education for the business partners, uh, and uh, consistently looking at how well are we really doing on that? Are we really learning as we go and improving our capabilities with each project, with each sprint? And that's a different muscle that, that we have. It's, an, it's just an example of one that we have to continue to build over time. And the initial shift where you say, um, next year, I'm going to you know, go from zero to 70% of my projects to be agile. That's the big rip off the bandaid moment, right? But to get from, if you get there, then going from 70 to 75 to 80, that for me is continuous improvement. Yeah. And it's where tons of opportunity comes forward. 
And to all of that, John, you talked about the culture, the foundation. What do you set out to do in terms of the kind of culture you want to fix or tweak in order to get started? And now you were neck deep into the transformation and there is more to come. Would you say you have a holy grail of a culture that you would like to set or get to so that this doesn't remain a snapshot of a project, but it becomes an ongoing, disruptive, transformative journey where you always reinvent yourself and kind of maximize your own potential as a company? I think that's a, a great question. And, you know, to some of the points that Bobby and Ellen were raising earlier, one of my favorite quotes is, if you want to go fast, go with a few. If you want to go with far, go with many. And I think, you know, when we were talking about a lot of the transformation we were doing, it was on infrastructure, service desk, backend things, where we as a digital function could just look within ourselves and go fast, a few. We, we now as a digital team are accustomed to a pace. We're accustomed to a speed. We're, we're, we're almost changes the constant. And I think, and that's our culture that we've built. And we have great team members. We have nimble team members. We have people willing to get creative all times. But now we're transitioning to this. We need to bring the organization with us on some of these new changes. As Ellen was saying, the programs we're working on adopting that. And this is now that part where we have to realize we have this fast-paced digital culture and we have a culture of excellence at Carrier that's been moving at a different speed, focused on different initiatives. These are now starting to come together. And once again, we, we called it friction earlier, but, but it's just a conversation that needs to happen. And we have to find that right balance point. And I think when it comes to culture, I think that's really where we have to start thinking about as we become one, one we were one digital, now as we become one carrier, moving at the speed of transformation, moving at the speed of the market, introducing new ideas, new concepts around edge with carrier IO and some of our new digital recurring revenue products, we have to find that right cadence where carrier comes together and we build that culture of co-innovation and co-transformation that comes with speed and it comes with the best of both of all the mentalities that we've had. This hundred year old stable manufacturer who's been delivering excellence and a digital team that's new and working with speed. Building that best of both, I think, is the next step in our journey. And I, I see a ton of promise there and I'm really excited about the progress so far. But once again, for me, Everything can always be improved. So what are those next steps that we can do to make ourselves better and, and make sure that we're in lockstep as we go along this digital transformation journey and our journey for bringing more digital products to market? So one last question for each of you. Give one leadership tip, which these individuals, individually or collectively working in any organization, trying to turn around not sure even they could ever come close to your 100-year-old startup transformation. But if anyone is trying to do any startup transformation or any other transformation in their businesses, starting with you, Bobby, what would be that one leadership tip you will give them? So <clears throat> I would say, for me, I have always looked back and said, how do I know we are successful in transforming carrier, right? Like, what is that key measure that we would identify and say, yep, we've got there, right? For me, it is it, our business unit presidents and our leadership team clearly understands our position in how carrier can influence in the mega cycles that we're in, whether it is sustainability, whether it is healthy air, 
that we are in a unique position to solve. But there is one key thing, right? Technology tailwinds that enable us to help drive this. And, and so how can you create a defensible position for your business in the long run using technology as a key enabler for that? And for that, when everybody in the business is aligned, a key part of their strategy and how they think about the business is they think about the business today as a digital business. And if they want to grow and scale and respond to customer needs, no matter what they do, they understand it is digital. So it is front and center of the strategy for each one of our business unit precedents. And that's how I, re I recognize that we have arrived, right? So it is not the CDO or the CIO pushing a digital agenda. It is when your leadership team is speaking to that same tune. In my mind, that's what I would say is a key learning or takeaway is to have one or two of those key KPIs that you can measure and say, okay, did I get to that goal? Helen? Uh, I was thinking about the way that we've worked together as a team. It is, uh, it's not been always, you know, pretty smooth path. Um, we are very strong-minded, experienced senior leaders, but we do have the best for carrier in mind. And uh, we solve problems together when we need to, and um, we've been able to move the organization forward. John? Everybody says this, but it really comes down to people. And, and it really comes down to building the best teams, making sure that the teams are aligned and you're all focused in a single direction. I, I think we have to realize as Carrier, we're not building a widget. We're not in implementing the next you know, service desk. What are we doing? We are helping grow Carrier's revenue. We're helping Carrier's bottom line. And I think having a strong team that realizes that's their mission, but then they own a piece of that entire mission so you put ego aside, you put, you know, personal ambitions aside, and it's once again, what's best for carrier and what's best for our joint mission and getting everybody thinking about that and excited to come to work every single day to drive the one carrier mission, I think is absolutely critical. Once again, thank you so much, Bobby, John, and Ellen for sharing your insights about reinventing carrier, this hundred year old uh, organization into a startup mode and reaping the benefits. Thanks so much. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Thank you. And listeners, please connect with us on social media, subscribe to our podcast. Once again, thank you for listening to CTN. This is your host, Sanjog All, signing off. Till next week, take care and God bless. Thank you for tuning in to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sunjo Gall. To learn more about our program or for show archives, comments, or questions, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Thank you again for listening.